produce, fresh and local. That's what you'll find at Harris Teeter. We're committed to supporting our local farmers and their families. They're our neighbors and our friends. Produce gathered at the peak of freshness and delivered to us. Whether you shop in our stores or order online, you'll find the best local and regional produce for your table, grown not far from where you live. Harris Teeter, your neighborhood food market. Welcome back to Movie House. It's your boy, Ryan Snelling. Thank you so much for joining us, whether it's on the podcast feed or the YouTube channel. We greatly appreciate it. Hope you're enjoying the last dance content that Kieran and Cody have been doing for us. The documentary is incredible, by the way, if you haven't watched it. I don't think you have to be a sports fan at all. It is just narratively fantastic. So if you're a child of the 90s like myself, and maybe you vaguely remember some some of that bull stuff, Jordan stuff, you should definitely check it out. Four episodes are out right now. We're not here to talk about television. We're here to talk about movies. So that's why I bring PJ Campbell in. What up, dude? What's going on, man? I still need to watch The Last Dance. I freaking keep forgetting that it's been on and we've been doing a lot of other stuff around here. And I was like, oh, shit, I keep forgetting that that's actually a thing. Yeah. So, you know, ESPN rarely misses with their 30 by 30 type stuff. So yeah, I got to check this out. It's really, really damn good. Uh, like I said, you guys should check it out. Four episodes out of eight, I believe, two at a time every Sunday. And it's eventually going to be out on Netflix. And then it's going to go to ESPN Plus. But that's like a year from now. So Netflix. If, if you have Hulu, it's on Hulu right now. Yeah, like yeah. because ESPN's part of that, so right, yeah. But um, if you don't, then there's going to be a million ways that you can watch it, and it's all good. So anyway, check that out. Kieran and Cody are doing a good job talking about that on the YouTube channel. Please subscribe. Link to that in the description down below. We're doing to us a second episode, I guess. Maybe this is our weekend show. Do you, did we ever figure out if a movie's coming out like this weekend? No, I don't think we did. I mean, I could look right now. Let me see. Is there any movies hitting digital this weekend? <laughs> As we're sitting here, I can look. Um, I don't see anything about anything. I guess this is this weekend's. Okay. Yeah. It might just come out early and maybe we do something else. We have ideas that yeah. we're working on uh, off, off mic. But to us, this is like the second time we've done this. Because this movie came out... Uh, this past weekend on on HBO, Hugh Jackman, Allison Janney. That was worthy of dis- if we're going to talk about Vivarium on, <laughs> yeah, House, for real. <laughs> we're going to talk about Bad Education. But before Fucking we do Vivarium. that, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I want to talk about some movie news for a second. Are, are we talking about what I think we're talking about? There's two things that I want to discuss. And we don't have to have massive conversations because it's really just validating what we've already know and what we've already discussed. But the first thing I want to talk about is this universal uh, mix up with the the theater chains. And, and yep. it's it's since been updated, woke up this morning, Regal is now a part of this. And if you don't know what we're talking about, originally AMC theaters decided that they were going to show universal movies anymore as long as they keep up with this simultaneous release thing now regal 
has has joined that as of this morning. Um, yeah, what what are your? I, I think I know your thoughts, but what are your thoughts on this? And who? Two questions: Who do you think is going to um, Audible first between mm-hmm. the theater chains or Universal? And which one? And which do you actually like support? So I actually kicked a hornet's nest this morning on Twitter over this entire situation because I'm actually pro universal um, and what they're doing right now, because simply speaking, and I know this is not supposed to be callous. Anyone who listens knows how much I like going to the theater, but right now we are in the middle of a pandemic and we are facing absolutely unrivaled times in a situation that we had no control over. And I find the theaters blustering a little wrongheaded just because I understand where they're coming from, but right now they can't be open and the theaters need to be able to do what they're doing or the studios need to be able to do what they're doing. And it really kind of feels like AMC and Regal don't remember what happened to the music industry when, you know, Napster was invented and they kept dragging their heels and not wanting times to change, but eventually times have to change. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of where we're at right now, because as much as I love going to the theater day and date release also is a very good idea. And it's one that I'm not really sure why AMC and Regal are pushing back on it so hard, because as it is, the thing that people don't want to talk about is this day and date stuff already exists. We're already doing it. A lot of these little indie films and indie distributors do this every week. Yeah. And the only reason they're picking a fight is because these big dogs are coming out and doing it. And a lot of people are saying that AMC is, or uh, that Universal has been like, well, look how much we're profiting off of COVID. That wasn't it at all. We're in an unprecedented time. And talking about how much Trolls has already made on VOD alone is huge. So we already talk about box office numbers. So the idea that for some reason that they shouldn't be talking about the fact that Trolls is doing well is a little strange to me because we've always talked box office, period. Right. And I am of the impression, and I, this is what, what really set people off, I really think Universal should call their bluff, and I think they should release either Fast 9 or No Time to Die on digital during the pandemic right. just to see what happens. Because for me personally, we're at a point that there's no way – I don't think we see theaters open until at least September. And even then it'll be under like super strict guidelines. And I don't think we're going to see a ton of the films we were supposed to see in theaters this year. So eventually something's got to give and these movies have to be released and the the studios have to know that they're going to be taking losses on some of this. So better to bite the bullet and do what universal has been doing, renting stuff or putting trolls out or what Disney's doing with Artemis Fowl and putting it on digital or what WB is doing with Scoob and putting it on VOD. We're in uncharted territory. And I think that Universal would be smart to pull the trigger. What are all those crazy noises in your room? If it's, it sounds like people are playing with action figures or something. What is uh, all of that? That would be Dipper playing with his toys. Okay. Uh, so similar, similar. Children playing with toys, dog playing with toy. I apologize. Um, so, yeah, I pretty much echo everything you just said. The I could see a wedge being put in the middle of all this by 
Vin Diesel or another producer, because it's one thing for Universal to just blanketly say, we're, we're just going to do this with all of our movies. But if Vin Diesel wants to, he can just be like, no, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Like, our fans are going to want to experience this in, in theaters. We've got to figure something out. And, mm-hmm. and, and that's the kind of person that's going to change whether Universal decides to actually go through with this or not. It doesn't mean that I disagree with what you said, but it's a possibility. And there's also just a ton of time from now until the intended uh, release date of yeah. of this movie. So a, a lot of things can happen here. Um, I mean, depending on what happens with other studios, with other movie theaters, uh, it'll reinforce one side of the other and maybe we will see this uh, this wheel turn even faster as right. as we move along here um it's well, changing every day we, we we've covered a lot of these changes from day to day and but that that's one thing that i don't know if uh, people are considering the fact that individually a producer mm-hmm. or a star or a director can raise a concern and maybe it's not an easy decision for universal anymore to to do such a thing right well, and one of the things that's not really being talked about is there's a bunch of people saying that Universal backtracked on their statement, and I never saw it that way. They kind of said what I was always thinking is that they were saying that day-to-date wouldn't even be all of their films to begin with. Like, yeah. that's the weird thing about this argument for people is that they're saying that it would be a case-by-case basis, and a movie like The Hunt would have been, like, the obvious choice for trying something like this. I actually or, think that's – I think it's smart. I mean – I do, too. I, there's – there's nothing wrong with a natural progression. It's not like, you know, you're you're not forced to make a move until you're forced to make a move. So right. it, it's not like the theaters won't exist. It's okay. I don't care if Universal is like, ah, yeah, let's go on and put Fast Fast Nine out. But maybe Trolls can can be a home release. The kiddos and the families, you know, all you, you can totally. make. I, I understand that completely. There's nothing wrong with that this stuff can still happen gradually if we wanted to. And it's probably the healthiest way to do so that way, uh, you know, studios and theater change don't make a ton of mistakes. And, you know, so I, I'm for that. I'm not really like for or against how fast we get there. I just know that this is, this is the kind of stuff that we've been talking about for a long time. And And it's happening. It's happening. And you mentioned it with the music industry. As soon as you give people the option to do this thing but at home versus do this thing and out in public mm-hmm. you're going to choose stay at home so the the theater change by by refusing to play these movies people are just going to sit it out or they're going to go to the theater chain like the the people like you that want to go see it in theaters are going to go to the theater chain that's playing it like it's it's just not gonna happen for them if they keep up this attitude so no right i mean and that's the thing because i mean you and i talked about it last year i went out of my way to see the irishman in the theater i didn't have to it was going to be on netflix but i like the theater going experience and i wanted to see it that way but i am a minority now on that sort of thing like we talk about this all the time but people are overlooking the fact that like in this argument amc was already going bankrupt yeah. <laughs> they don't have anything to stand on right now. Yeah. So it's just postulating and blustering for the sake of doing it and putting their frontline workers on the line, which is ridiculous. Yeah. But yeah. what do I know? And AMC is the theater that we go to. I'm a fan of AMC since Me I moved too. out here. I'm a fan of their subscription. I like it. It's just unfortunate. 
I didn't even realize it's the largest movie theater chain. Yep. I didn't know that just because we don't really have them where I right. used to live. But um, anyway, it's crazy, right? Because I didn't have them where I grew up either. The The largest theater chain is uh, making the most mistakes. And I guess like right now, Cinemark is the only one killing it with Universal releases. So, well, and it's just funny because, I mean, it's not like Universal's also not willing to put stuff out because from what mm. I understand, these drive-in theaters and stuff are all playing Trolls World Tour. And Universal's still like, yes, absolutely play the stuff. It's just, it seems like such a weird game of chicken that, this, I think the theaters think that they're more important than they are when they don't realize that we're at a tipping point. The one thing that this is going to do is make studios realize we don't necessarily need the theaters. We need to rein in our budgets, but we don't need the theaters right. because we can go to VOD. We don't have to do a massive marketing campaign. You know, you do it all online, drop a trailer or two, and then you put it out there. People would buy it, especially right now. Well, I think, too, the mistake on their part is that, like, the the future for movie theaters is still going to be these big movies. Mm-hmm. So I agree. it's like, okay, you, you just took yourself out of the race for fast and furious nine. Are you going to keep this up? Are you never going to play a unit? I mean, that's why I'm saying there's like a lot of time for all mm-hmm. of this to change. I mean, it might change next week, but, it could change tomorrow by the time after we've recorded this. Right. So who knows what's going to happen? But um, anyway, I want to talk about this other thing real quick. Sure. The Academy Awards. Oh, yeah. yeah. uh, Decided to do something that I asked uh, for as long as I can remember. First of all, nobody knows the difference between sound mixing and sound editing. Make it best sound. Thank you for listening to Sight and Sound, Movie House, wherever you got that idea. I appreciate it. They're also going to include streaming movies for this year only. That asterisk yeah. really annoyed me, but they also had no choice but to do this thing. So yep. I, I just kind of thought when this was released, Captain Obvious seemed to deliver this news. Um, I didn't know if you had any other takeaways other than that. Yeah, I um, I didn't have a ton of takeaways from it. I mean, it felt like they were doing the right thing that they needed to do at this time, which was making sure that the show could kind of go on in a way. But the sound, the sound design and sound mixing and sound editing thing, I, I get it. I get why you do it because I think people were always confused. Now, are they different things? Yes, but I, I think that it streamlines it. Um, I'm just here to say that clearly Bad Boys for Life needs to win Best Picture this year. Uh, <laughs> I think that's a certainty. Do you think that Tiger Tail will be nominated for, uh, for an Academy Award? I think it should be. Yeah, probably. If it's not like I, I, it's really funny because I was, I made this joke last night. I was like, if we're going to do this, can I also contend that because Dr. Sleep was released on digital in January, can we put Dr. Sleep in the running for the director's cut for best picture <laughs> streaming award, you know, like just things like that. But it is kind of funny to think about like this year, dude, 2020 popping off in the weirdest way. And now look at, like, even the Academy Awards is going to be different. Like, are we even going to have a full ceremony? Well, for one, good. Yeah. I'm glad. Because my, my whole thing with that as well, you're always trying to figure out how to keep it entertaining, how to get people to watch, how to uh, shorten, the, shorten the length of the ceremony. Okay, either take some of these categories out 
or combine them. Those two right. made the most sense to combine. You know, a hundred percent. So we're 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 on our way to making the movie space, the movie community better. I've only been asking for six fucking years, but baby steps, I guess. Baby steps. Well, I mean, that's always it, though. All this stuff continues to be like baby steps. But then we get to the point where with what we were just talking about before this, then everything starts to crater. And it's like, oh, God, we actually have to react. Yeah, this is one of those times. (laughs) Anyway, good times. Good times. I know, man. 2020, something else. I didn't think 2019 could be beat. And then 2020 came along. Yeah. So, uh, by the way, speaking of eligibility, I, I don't know why, but bed, edu- bed education. <laughs> I need some bed education. Um, <laughs> bad education is listed as a 2019 release. Thought Did that it was have strange. a festival run? It, it might have. I guess that's the, that's the answer. That's the only but, thing I could have think. Yeah, sorry. That's the only thing I could think of off the yeah, top of my head. I just wasn't it, aware of that. I didn't. I wasn't either until you said anything. Anyway, it's interesting. I just thought that was weird. So yeah. we watched this movie. It's an HBO film, like we said, starring Hugh Jackman and uh, Allison Janney, directed by Corey Finley. I'm afraid to pull up the IMDb because it's you were cha- right. Okay, I was gonna say I ha- I'm capturing my desktop. So anytime I do anything with my screen that covers PJ's window right now, like it, right now. My cursor is circling your head, and they can see every bit of it. So That's anytime amazing. I pull up IMDb, you just vanish. But I guess uh, it, okay, that'd be okay. Okay, no, I figured it out. Well, that's rude, but you know, I get it. <laughs> Corey Finley, the director of uh, Thoroughbreds, yep, um, directed this film. The, the summary right off IMDb: the beloved superintendent of New York's Roslyn School District and his staff, friends, and relatives become the prime suspects in the unfolding of the single largest public school embezzlement scandal in American history. So this true story, Hugh Jackman, it's been a it's been a minute since I've seen Hugh Jackman in a movie. Sorry, greatest showman fans. I was excited to hunker down because the past few weeks this movie seemed to make the most sense on Movie House and I I don't know what that means other than it feels like it's the most uh, it's an us movie. Even it, it's an us movie, but it's it's on HBO. It's a little bit higher profile, but it's also got that much more uh, star power at the front of it. I, that was uh, alone uh, enough to make me curious about the movie. Don't know a whole lot about the true story, so I found a lot of value and education in this. What was uh, your sort of first impression when hearing about it, learning about it uh, before watching? So I kind of remembered that it had been announced. But it wasn't until we started talking about it again and I saw everyone kind of tweeting about it over the weekend that I remembered, oh, I forgot that they made this. Mm. Like, I I initially remember the announcements. HBO was going to do it. Jackman was involved. But that was kind of the beginning of the end of everything I had remembered about it. Like, I had no idea that um, Alex, uh, what's his name, is in it? Uh, Yeah, Alex Wolf, the other of the Wolf kids. I didn't realize he was in this and I didn't realize Ray Romano was in this until I turned it on, which was exciting because Ray Romano continues to kill it as one of the best character actors working right now. We had uh, Geraldine. Uh, I'm going to butcher her last name, but who uh, st- sort of stole the show in blockers. Mm-hmm. She was John Cena's kid, right? Yes. Yeah. And she is fantastic in this as well. Yeah. Um, the cast is just very good across the board. And again, to your point, like HBO, normally you kind of look at HBO as a potential of 
it's more higher art, I guess. Not not higher art. That's the wrong with uh, high profile. It's it's high profile, but I actually don't really put a whole lot of weight into HBO movies either. I mean, honestly, I, I pay way more attention to Netflix movies, and we all know how much shit I give those things. So, well, it, it's HBO is definitely the prime place for television dramas, but an HBO film has never really meant a whole lot to me. Uh, they did Clear History, and Clear History and is amazing <laughs> with Larry. And, yeah, with Larry. And I also, 61 is one of my all-time favorite baseball films, and that was an HBO movie. 61? Um, yeah. It, it's, uh, I've never directed heard of it. it. It's great. If you've never seen it, check it out. Uh, Billy Crystal actually directed it. Mm. It's a great baseball film. Uh, I love it to pieces. Interesting. Well, I couldn't help but watch this movie and think of maybe one or two other other directors again shout out Corey finley i was okay with earl brez i was um unfortunately interested in that movie in the wrong way just because <laughs> uh, i definitely wanted to watch uh anton yelchin uh after yeah. he had passed away i wanted to see him in his last movie yeah. uh but i thought it was a it was a cool idea um so it, the movie was just okay to me um but i i didn't realize that he had directed it until after the fact so as I'm analyzing the look and the in the in the tempo of this movie, I had one, maybe two directors on my mind, thinking, "Oh, this is very much a blank kind of thing." So I want to know if you had that experience or if you can come up with it now. Maybe the one or two directors that I thought could have made this type of movie. Okay, so there's one. Actually, my my two are. I don't know if you're going to come up with the same two I have, but I actually had similar thoughts. My first was Adam McKay. Oh, okay. No, I did, that was not one of them, but yeah. okay. I, I dig uh, it. McKay was one because it definitely has that biting satire that we're used to seeing out of him, um, especially when you look at not necessarily Vice, but the big short. Right. Um, that It had that kind of feel. And then outside of that, for me, of all people, it was Sorkin. Oh, it, really? Because it reminded me a little bit of Molly's game okay. and the stuff that he, like, especially his writing. I mean, not nearly as good as some of his other stuff, but definitely it had that feel and that look. And it definitely vibed with me that way. And it made me want Jackman to work with him. So you chose two directors that I had not thought of. So the first person that I thought of was Soderbergh. Oh, that's, yeah. Yep. I could see that. Visually. It mm-hmm. looked like something that he would do, but it also... Well, I'll just go on and loop, lump in the other. Uh, I thought it was, like, slightly Cohen-esque. Sure. Um, so it felt like... A serious man, maybe. It felt like sort of an expose story, which we've seen uh, Soderbergh do the past couple of years, uh, multiple times. And right. there's also, like, this super, like, folksy element to it. Where you have like all of these like real people, but they're also just kind of like auxiliary to right. the front of the story. Um, but also, you kind of just don't. It's unorthodox and not traditional in the way that there's just some characters that you don't need to follow throughout the entire story. Like Allison Janney oh. is the second lead of the movie, but just the movie just utilizes her. You know, she comes in and out when they need her, but she's mm-hmm. not a character that we really assess. And actually the scale of the movie or the scale of the story inside of the movie isn't really fully explored because maybe it just 
wasn't right for the story. Um, a lot of that was kind of summed up in just that final uh, end credit title uh, card when it was just right. like, oh, this amount of money is is what was taken from this school district. And when we got numerical values inside of the movie, I mean, it was a fraction of what that end title card uh, mm-hmm. displayed. So it was a, a, a very particular, succinct way of doing it. And uh, yeah, but no, I, I, I see where the Sorkin and Adam McKay stuff comes into. You know who else too? And I just thought about this as we were talking about it was Richard Linklater. Okay. It's like very, especially if you've seen Bernie, which is one that most people haven't. It's one of his smaller films, but that had McConaughey and Jack Black and uh, uh, Shirley McClane. And it is so fascinating. And this movie reminded me a lot of that, like kind of a small town vibe where something really kind of nefarious happens, but everyone doesn't really want to believe that it could happen there. It's the same vibe. I have an awful history of watching these movies that cover some of the biggest scandals or this is the biggest blah, 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 blah in American history. And I never know the story beforehand. No, I have no idea. Isn't that funny how that works? Yeah. And I was thinking about that while I was watching it because I was like, I don't think I know this story at all. I mean, also at the time it was like, oh, three, I think this takes place. So I was, I would have been like 13. So of course I wouldn't have noticed it, but like I, hadn't really thought about it in or looking into it before it started and i'm kind of glad i didn't because then i could just let it play out it's almost more dramatic that way like if you made a movie about our current political climate and situation right if you and i went to go see that movie 10 15 years down the line we lived through it so we'll know it kind of beat for beat and it may be more interesting to the people who didn't even with the creative liberties that would probably be taken for it to to see the story play out versus us living produce fresh and local that's what you'll find at harris teeter we're committed to supporting our local farmers and their families they're our neighbors and our friends produce gathered at the peak of freshness and delivered to us whether you shop in our stores or order online you'll find the best local and regional produce for your table grown not far from where you live Harris Teeter, your neighborhood food market. So first, let's just talk about our man, Hugh Jackman, for a second. Because like I said, it's been a bit since I've seen him in anything. Not that he hasn't done anything. It's just been a while since I've seen him in anything. Um, so it's, I don't want to say that like the heat cooled off for me, but it, it felt, I don't know, it just felt like I really needed... To, to see him in a film. Did you watch the front, or excuse me, the front runner where he played Gary Hart? No, I didn't. And I kind of wanted to, cause I actually quite like Jason Reitman. I know that's uh unpopular opinion. A lot of people don't like his stuff post like up, up, uh, up and away, but like I didn't, if for whatever reason I missed it and it like came and went so quickly that I never bothered to go back to it. It also just had like a weird, release though like i don't even remember it coming out i remember the time it was supposed to come out but i don't remember it actually being out so it it bombed real bad and it was like super quickly taken out of theaters hugh jackman vera formiga jk simmons Mm -hmm. it's it's a movie that 
I wanted to see, and I, I asked you just because I figured um, you'd be able to tell me if it was actually worth going back and revisiting. Just as a huge, huge Jackman fan, and this is obviously the kind of movie that I feel like I can... It's it's probably, as far as I know, a similar kind of movie to Bad Education. I mean, it he's is. playing a, a real-life person and... And gets we're just, caught in a yeah. political scandal, uh, yeah. very timely. That's right. That's right. So, I don't know. I, I'm curious to know what you think about Bad Education, because I think now that I've seen Bad, Bad Education, I'm, I'm more likely to go back and, and watch The Front Rider. It's kind of like what you did when we uh, we just talked about Extraction, talked about oh, yeah. Agbo Films, caused you to go back and watch 21 Bridges. Front Runner might be my, my 21 Bridges uh, this week. Yeah, um, I, I can support that uh, wholeheartedly. I always like going back and kind of seeing stuff like that that are like-minded, if you will, or like same producing company and stuff just to kind of get a feel for what they were doing. This movie surprised the hell out of me. Because, mm. again, not knowing much about it going in, I wasn't sure what we were going to make of it, like what exactly it was, what I was getting myself into, which made it so much more interesting seeing it all play out because the other thing – the whole movie is great. Uh, this is what, in my opinion, I think it's one of the best movies of the year. Uh, I mean, we also have a very small pool, so that, you know, helps. But I think that Jackman and Janie both give absolutely fantastic performances. And I was so enamored with how the story kind of unfolds and how timely it felt. And it also made me realize if we can hold schools accountable for stuff, why are we not doing more to hold like our elected officials accountable for things? Mm. And that it was like a, it was crossing my mind towards the end of the film, you know, like what in the world are we doing? And it definitely was kind of eye opening in that respect. Yeah. It's interesting to me while watching it, how long it takes. And I get, this goes with, you know, any movie that predates like 2005, but it's funny because I was thinking of a very contemporary story, but we're in a situation where like, information just did not spread, and it was a mix of incompetence by, say, the the auditor, who just mm-hmm. kind of let all of this happen, but also just the fact that he could hide, uh, Hugh Jackman's character could hide that he was gay for so long. Um, just little things like that. It, it's It's interesting to kind of just see that, you know, because it, it wasn't that long ago. No, and it wasn't. And I was, I caught, caught, yeah, I got caught off guard a little bit by that. Not in a bad way, but the move, the way it was kind of setting up with him wearing the ring and talking about his wife. Like one of the first things you see in the film is the desk, his desk, and right. the picture of his wife. And I legitimately thought that part of this situation was going to be that he was having an affair either with a student. Or with the parent of a student. And he goes to that book club or whatever it is. And he's like in the house with one of the parents. And she definitely feels like she's coming on to him. And I was so kind of just, what is happening? Because that's what I thought it was. And then it totally shifts in a different direction. And what's funny too is that could have served a purpose as far as like, this this guy, um, uh, uh, Frank Tassone. This guy is very much about fulfilling a persona for mm-hmm. the general public. He's in this position, all eyes on him, students, he cares about his community. 
um, you can discuss his motivations and what actually inspires that. But he's very much about manipulating his outward appearance to yes. to appear some type of way outside of what he actually is, what he actually has on the inside. And this is told cleverly uh, throughout the movie. Not only, I could kind of tell just because it looked like Jackman had some prosthetics. I was like, okay, there's got to be something to this character, um, some kind of procedure that he's doing with his face, blah, 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 blah. The movie ends up addressing that. Yeah. Um, this movie also very particularly decides when it wants to show what it has to show. And I think the reveal of his actual husband is an example of that. I mean, yes. it's, it's at a weird point in the movie for, for you to kind of just like figure out that he's, he's been married this entire time, but it kind of like brings things together at the same time, makes you reconceptualize how you feel about this character. Cause again, my ultimate point is that him holding on to his wife that it, it felt like this was something that he was holding on to for a specific purpose. This whole, his wife kept kind of coming up and it was something that everyone else kind of discussed, but he didn't really do it. It was just enough to put this picture out there. So it was that right there was enough to be like, okay, this is just like a weird guy. Right. Because this is something that like he didn't, it didn't have to be revealed that he had a husband because I think the movie accomplishes that feeling on its own. But of course it's a real life story and I know why they revealed the husband and it does add an extra layer to it. But uh, I was kind of already picking up on that with this character. And I kind of, I just thought that that's that slow rollout was, was pretty smart. I thought opinion. that the movie played to its strengths in all the right ways to your point, because every time a reveal would happen, it would be, the next chunk of something but it always it always would kind of divert in a different direction if you will yeah and i would think it's going a certain way and then it would go another way and then it would go another way like very smart storytelling because even to that point that he has uh, the boyfriend not even just the husband but like the affair he's having with a former student and the reveal that he's gay comes like about half an hour into the movie and you you may not have been prepared for it in that way. And so that was actually like, was that going to be something that plays into it later? Because when I cannot say her last name, uh, same one that you were talking about earlier, but Geraldine, um, the student, when she comes in and he keeps like kind of pestering her to talk to him, like he's trying to help her, but it was also like, is he trying too hard to talk to a young student? Like, what is this situation? Right. You know what I mean? So my mind was going in all sorts of different directions. I think rightfully so, because I think that's what the filmmakers, if you don't know this story, they want you to think. Well, that's, that's the other thing too, about having that aspect of the story, because at the beginning it's possible that you're just kind of, uh, maybe setting up Skywalk. Like, maybe Skywalk right. is going to be a much bigger plot point to this movie, and I thought that that's, that might just be where we're going by bringing in the student. Maybe we never see her again. Uh, maybe there's going to be some issue with, like, I don't know, uh, disobeying construction codes. Like, I, I didn't quite know what the movie was at first. So, in the spirit of investigative journalism that's why i think this movie rolled out the information that it did and it kind of kept uh, geraldine's character rachel in in our line of sights at the same time because i mean it's it's an incredible thing 
that a high school student, and it's obviously ironic, that's the whole point of the movie, that a high school student inspired by this person, it led to him his, his demise. And I, I think there's like, it's not an uplifting movie, but if you look for it, there is like a, a positive spirit to that. Uh, it's yep. shown when uh, she eventually becomes editor-in-chief of her high school paper. <laughs> like, it, it, it wants to kind of celebrate and champion that idea. And um, I loved that. I agree. I, I thought that it was it was done very well in the spirit of the movie, and uh, I just thought it, it was it was shaped uh, properly. No, it totally was. And one of the things that I loved about the movie was just that whole feel of the journalistic investigation. I thought that was so cool because we don't really see movies that deal with that in high school. Yeah. Um, in a way, it reminds me of Brick because Brick kind of does the neo-noir, you know, detective setting in a high school. And it feels kind of weird when you actually get to do things like that. And I loved her character because the deeper she's going as a journalist, which was essentially supposed to be a, fl- a fluff piece or a puff piece about that bridge, became something that unraveled the entire district. Right. And there's just something so interesting about that. Did you, like, were you aware as you were watching the movie that he could have possibly been involved with this whole thing? Or, do you, like, I, I was just thinking about how I couldn't decide if I was just being dumb or if that was sleight of hand on the film's part. No, I think it was definitely the film's sleight of hand because the way they definitely jockey it is that you're supposed to think Janie's the only one doing it. Yeah. And so she's so sure that he's going to get her out of it and him pushing hard for her to like step down, you know, you've really disgraced the school, you've hurt your own name. It just definitely felt like he was playing up to the fact that he was innocent in the situation. And I thought the film did a really magnificent job of that. I thought it was so funny casting Jimmy Tatro as, as Jim boy just thought it was hilarious because that is what added the Cohen brothers flair to me. Right. Where it's like this guy, for one, his name is Jim Boy in the movie. Like, it, he he just kind of made me laugh, even though he wasn't doing anything at all to make me laugh. And right. uh, I just thought those kind of elements work so well. Even the the person who gets uh, demoted to utilities, like that kind of had like a Logan Lucky kind of thing to it as well. Absolutely, just, like just super authentic Americana type person. Um, that that really added added to that and. Um, yeah, I just kind of love those aspects. I, I loved all the different little character actors that were in the movie because every time a character would pop up, it's not they're all people that are kind of noticeable a little bit, if you will. Yeah. Like you, you've seen them places, but at the same time, you aren't sure exactly from where. And so they fall into the characters so perfectly. The scene with Pat Healy where he goes in and he goes, you know, I, I found these charges for the airlines and there were two tickets. Mm. And he and Jackman like, duke it out in a war of words is arguably one of the best sequences in the film. Right. Because it's two like really great actors going toe to toe. And Jackman is so great. in it. He is. I also really liked where he f- was finally getting wound up when he yes. started kind of getting in. And there was this whole other element that it's all there, but it also wasn't explored nearly enough. I think I was fascinated by his 
point of view as an educator when he calls out uh, the boy's mom that's kind of been mm-hmm. pestering. And, and there's just this quick, brief line of dialogue, but it's this perspective of like, you don't really care about us. And my, right. pro- my profession is built on just constantly being used by other people. And it, and it wears on you because this entire time you hear from him things like, look, it's my responsibility. It is our job to give your children the, the pathways to success. And he's constantly hurling that out. And I, I do believe that he had every intention of doing that. I do think he cared about those other people, but it was it doesn't mean that he didn't still have the issues that he had with his own self. Um, but... I I just loved that little bit, and I was like, oh, there is so much there that this film doesn't have time to explore, but it also makes all the sense in the world that he would feel this way. Well, and I thought it came at like such a perfect time in the film, too. Yeah. I mean, again, I have to give all the credit in the world for how this thing is put together, because every little piece comes kind of at the right time, in the right place, and the unraveling of it all really just so interesting when he confronts Geraldine's character on the park on the school benches Mm. that that sequence is so interesting because he's basically an authority figure talking down to a student and like threatening her livelihood and trying to put something on her that's just terribly unfair in something she discovered that he had done wrong and I just thought the way it played out was fascinating because for a second, the way it was shot, the back and forth, it actually looked like they weren't even talking to each other. Like it felt like they were doing it off camera yeah. until they, until he like walks into camera with her. And I just loved the way that they did that. But it says so much about him, doesn't it? Because he was already feeling like you, you to your point, the idea that it's wearing down on him and then this is happening on top of it. So of course he's going to act like a total moron about it. Where do you put this? on your 2020 list. I, I'm seeing a lot of people, uh, just just friends of mine, discussing the fact this is probably the best movie of the year. I don't know that I'm there, but I'm curious what you think. It's not my number one of the year, but it's in my top 10. Let me tell, I can tell you right now. I currently have it at number seven. That's... That's about where I'm going to put it. I haven't updated my list in the past couple of weeks, so I kind of need to put in um, some of our last few selections. But that's about where I have it, too, because I I, I found it super interesting and engaging. Love the, love the story. Um, I don't know that it was as well-rounded as I, as I expected, but uh, it, is, sure. it is very concise, and I do appreciate that at the same time. I was... I was I was I was interested and I was engaged for sure, but um, I don't know that I was like overwhelmed with with how amazing it was. Is really all that it is. So it's it's absolutely in my top ten. I thought it I thought it was great. You realize great. I just realized that we I forgot that we watched Sergio yeah. until I was looking at my list, and that tells you everything. About uh, I I did not forget that, but also. I know why you did. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, can we also shout out real quick? Like, I know I set it up top while we were doing it, but how freaking awesome is it that 
Ray Romano has become this like really brilliant character actor in Hollywood. He is so good when he's been popping up in things like post Everybody Loves Raymond, whether you look at this or The Big Sick or The Irishman. Every time he's in something, I get very excited because I think he always gives like very good performances. Yeah. He's becoming excellent. I agree. I like him a lot in this movie. And um, I wasn't familiar. Who is the the fling in Las Vegas? It's like I recognized him, but I didn't at the same time. Yeah, I'm not Raph- sure. Raphael. Oh, he's the, and I know why you don't know, but he's the lead in blind spotting. I'm an idiot. Uh, I was like, who the hell is this guy? But he's Miles in uh, blind spotting. Duh. That, that anyway. Yeah. No, I was I did that a lot last night as we were watching. Like I said, there's a lot of character actors in it. And the one that made me laugh was Jimmy Totaro. He was the son of um Allison Janey's character. Yeah, who, I talked about him. Yeah, you brought him up. And I was <laughs> I kept looking at him and I was like, where do I recognize him from? And I was like, Oh yeah, like Jump Street. I immediately went to Jump Street. Yeah. I did not realize how many other things he had been in though, like looking into it, because like yeah. you said, you know, He's a fun actor, man. I always like when he pops up and well, stuff. Yeah, I mean, he's a famous YouTuber first, and then oh, he, is he? Yeah, that's why he got in Twenty Two Jump Street because he was just famous online. Got it. I had no idea. Yeah. So cool. uh, when you watch Blind Spotting, by the way, um, Rafael Casal plays a completely different character, which kind of changes entirely how I feel about him in this movie. Because I was just kind of like, oh, okay. I, I wonder who this guy, what he's going to be, but the fact that it's it's completely different than his character in Blind Spotting, it's uh, pretty impressive actually. So, anyway, that's awesome. I love when people can do stuff like that. Yeah. When you see that kind of extreme, it just makes me happy. And also, aside from the higher profile names, I mean, we have like an A-lister, we have an A-B-lister, and Allison Janney, and then maybe it jumps to like C, and then it goes like to F. And right. then it's rounded out by people who I've never seen in my life. They're they're great actors, uh, but they just again this Americana, this real life kind of flavor. It's like I don't recognize you from anywhere. I don't even know if you're an actor, and you're rounding out this whole thing. So I just thought that was uh, well done as well. I definitely agree. Uh, again, just great cast. Great. This movie is very well put together, especially for an HBO film. What And I don't mean that in a weird way. I know how that sounded. Do you think it's going to be... I know it's in your top ten right now, but do you think it could be lasting? I mean, it depends on what we get the rest of the year. That's going to be the question right now. Um, I mean, especially with what we were just talking about with everything, right? I mean, depending on what we see and what we are handed the rest of the year, it very easily could be. Yeah. Um, but if we're actually handed other things, there's always the chance it could get knocked down more later. Guys, if you haven't checked it out, go to HBO right now. You can watch Bad Education. It is available. Um, I think that about does it. Do you have anything else that you'd like to say about the movie? Or No, I just recommend if you have a chance to see it, you definitely should. I think it really is very, very timely. Did you get the, that feeling at the end where you were just like, man, this feels like now, but with politics. Like, less with the school yeah. system. And that's exact. I mean, I know that that's obviously the point, but it was just so it really caught me off guard in the right way. Um, yeah, I just really didn't well, realize how badly I needed to see something like that, I guess. Yeah, I think that's usually the case. I mean, I think it's, you know, some some movies like this are made 
before they realize how timely they're going to be. But usually, usually when a type of movie, when a story uh, comes out like this, it's it's because it's eerily uh, of the right. times or a, a timeless thing, or it's very of the times, even though it took place at a time. Like that, yeah, that kind of stuff is uh, what makes it. That helps hit make it hit harder. When, Definitely, when we watch it. So, uh, without question, would Jackman for you? be a front runner for a best pick or best actor Academy award nomination this year. If it was eligible. Mm, I, I think, I think he could be nominated. I, I don't yeah. know that I would like without really having full context. I don't know that I think he should win or anything like that. So it's not like well, an obvious, it's not like an obvious yes, but I could I could see that happening. I could see him being nominated. But then again, yeah. he, but then again, we haven't seen Front Runner, and he wasn't even nominated for that at all. So who knows? It could be the same type of situation. No, it definitely could. I was just thinking, like, I feel like he's an obvious in a world where nothing else comes out. If this was eligible, he feels like a very easy front runner to at least get a nomination. Yeah, at least for me. And since they are including streaming films, it's uh, even more likely. So yeah, that's true. All right. Well guys, thanks for checking out this video or listening to this podcast. We greatly, greatly appreciate it. If you are a podcast listener, there's a lot more podcast listeners than there are YouTube subscribers and viewers. So plenty of you should definitely go find the link in the description down below, or just go to YouTube, look up movie house. You will see us. You will see our content. Please subscribe we would greatly appreciate it. We are on video now, so it's not just the audio going to the YouTube channel. It is full video. It's the real deal. Thanks for checking us out. PJ, where can they find you online? Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at PJ underscore Campbell. And you can find me over on YouTube at the PJ Campbell Network, where we do all sorts of stuff every night from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. We're always doing content. Come check us out. Uh, we got family game nights. We've got movie watch longs. we got all sorts of stuff. And I believe we're going to be doing our Ryan Johnson watch long starting this week. Uh, starting with Brick, we're going to watch all of Ryan Johnson's movies through May. And Ryan's going to be on a couple of them. So I look forward to that. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at WhatUpSnell. You can check out my other podcast, Sight and Sound, everywhere on the internet. On Twitch, you will see us recapping and reviewing the season three finale of Westworld. That'll be next Monday or Tuesday when we will be doing that right after the episode airs. And that's all I got. Thank you. We'll see you on the next one. Bye-bye.